0: Welcome to episode 678 of Long Box Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe?
1: I wouldn't say we're joined, uh, like Belial and whatever his brother was from Basket Case, but we're here. We're together. Well, not together. We're doing a podcast. We're getting ready to talk about comic books and all things therein, you know? Yes, yes.
0: We're on the Skype machine, so.
1: Right. How when are they going to change Skype's name to Skype? Nothing gets to keep their name, you know. Facebook is technically Meta, Twitter is technically X. Uh if Instagram has Threads. Skype is held true and fast.
0: Right. Skype knows how to brand, man. So yeah. they know don't be don't be muddy in the waters, don't be, you know, getting all dirty in there.
1: I know there's like other folks that record their stuff through like the channel in their discord or stream yard or all these other things I don't know you know we say this outside of like human error you know uh, I, I like to mention this every now and then uh, between episodes of this show episodes of after dark and episodes of Odds with wrestling I'm up to almost and this is so scary almost 1500 episodes of podcasts of me that are out there right
0: yeah, and that's not including all these shows that you go on, and I almost cursed there for a second.
1: So. And that's not – so listen, this show almost might uh, – I was thinking about it today when I was going over the notes in my head. I'm like, is there going to have to be an explicit tag on this week's episode? Right. Yeah, we'll see. But 1,500 times, and it's less than five times that there's been a problem with Skype. Most of the times that there's problems with Skype, it's human error. Uh like last week when Adam and I were doing the Patreon show for mm-hmm. add-ons, I might have forgot to hit record. Whoa. And Adam caught it like ten minutes in. Oh. Um and luckily we have a good script and we're able to follow along. <laughs> Sometimes like I forget to check if the microphone is pulling the right microphone. Mm-hmm. Um but Skype itself has only failed like less than five times. So, yeah. you know,
0: and then there's user error as, as this happened. And do you remember when we, we
1: get user error, like I'm up into the twenties, which is still pretty good when you consider 1500 podcast episodes.
0: And then there was a time when we used to record separately on audacity and the Prince of Portugal would send them to our editor yep. and they would mash them together. Uh, that was a whole different time. That was when you could go to sleep early, Joe.
1: That's right. And then remember when uh, Studebaker was the one who took that over when we left (laughs) Portugal's (laughs) network? Right. And he got mad because I had dial up and he had to wait for my file. Right. And I'll never forget. I went out to visit him. Like, so we start doing the show on our own in January of that year. Mm -hmm. I went out to visit him in May of that year. And it was just like, oh, because he came and picked me up at the wrestling went grabbed something to eat. We're on his way back to his house for me to crash for the next day. And he just goes, he goes, yeah, I'm not editing your podcast anymore. I go, what? He goes, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. I go, okay. Um, right. I used to good. drive to Dunkin' Donuts
0: to get faster Wi-Fi. So really? I get, it, get it up to him earlier. Yes. I put it on my phone. I take it off the computer. I put it on my phone and I drive to Dunkin' Donuts about – you know, quarter of a mile away, and I'd sit in the parking lot and hook up to the Wi-Fi and send it to, to Dropbox. Yes.
1: And I said to him, I go, Can you show me how to edit it before you stop doing it? And he goes, Yeah, I guess. I'm like, Okay.
0: Oh, and one of these days you'll get the nuclear codes off him too. So
1: one of the well, I got it set up in my calendar. We're about two months away from oh, meeting them. Don't him. don't tell me that. Now I'm gonna have to have anxiety, Joe. Well, instead of having anxiety, Todd, what do we have to talk about this week? Um, In the news, the
0: return in comics of a great news strip character, and nowhere else is he good. Um, Also, collections and facsimiles, all the cancellation, delays, and changes. Um, The return of everybody's favorite segment, the Rob Watch, buckle down, everybody. Um, Conventions. What we read last week, which was both Flash number one and Marvel Unleashed number two, what we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues where we're rereading all the Sandman, and this is going to be seventy-three and seventy-four from the Wake. Uh, Todd's Art Attack is making a return, and finally, spoiler-filled talk of the penultimate episode of Ahsoka. I believe it is. Yeah, the
1: penultimate. Right. The um. The, whatchamacallit's on tonight, the season finale is on tonight, and then uh, Thursday, uh, Loki season two starts up, right? Yes, yes. Uh, so this first news story is one that Todd, I know, could not wait to send to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that finally, and again, counting our, uh, whatchamacallit, our, our blessings, maybe, right? Um, finally we are going to get our modern Dick Tracy comic book. Right. This is a comic that has been in the hopper for nearly six years and has gone through all sorts of licensing and rights issues and everything else like that. And now, so it was first supposed to come out through Archie in 2017. Then it was supposed to come out through IDW in 2008. 2000- 18, and now it's going to be coming out at the beginning of 2024 from Mad Cave Comics um, the original writer who is supposed to be doing it at Archie Alex Segura is going to be uh, writing it uh, the art looks really cool looks like it has like a very uh, interesting twinge to it it's slated for March of 2024 and Todd I'm just going to say this I have it written down in pencil, not pen. What? Yes.
0: Uh, Warren Beatty's going to squash it.
1: I fool me once, Todd. Shame what? on me. Fool me twice, and they won't get fooled again. Is that how they say it? Right? The Who? Yes. Okay. Um, it's a book that they've been trying to get out for almost six years and warren Beatty keeps whatever right (laughs) licensing errors and all sorts of things like that but this is an announcement that's been out for like a week and i haven't gotten the story of it being canceled already you know right
0: give it time who knows there's plenty of time to march 2024 but uh, i think this one's a go i have faith in it
1: yeah um, i really do
0: so you'll be definitely getting it.
1: Yeah, it's penciled in. It's not penned in on the list, but uh, I'm hoping we get a Dick Tracy thing. I hope people see the success of the book and that lets Warren Beatty know that we want the R-rated cut of the 1990 uh, Dick Tracy to get released, or at least him to do... um, something with the character as opposed to random zoom calls on AMC. <laughs> so he can keep yeah. the licensing rights to the
0: character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jingle up AMC so I can keep the rights to this. Yeah. Who knows what it'll be next. Maybe yeah. it'll be some like, you know, fast food tie in or something. Who knows?
1: Yeah.
0: But I I hope it works. out. I, I, I'll i give it a try. I like Dick Tracy on paper, you know, literally. Um, so I think it'd be really cool as long as, and it looks like from what I saw, you know, they're keeping them in that era with the, the wristwatch, the, the radio, like, cause if you bring them into modern era, like all the, the, the thing that made them cool is like, uh, old tech in, in today's day and age.
1: Yeah, they're not trying to hip them up for the younger folks, you know. Right,
0: like when you see, like, oh, we're doing a Zorro comic, and it's this. And I don't care about the gender gender swap, but it's like this young girl who, instead of having a horse, has a black pickup truck, and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want Zorro in modern times. Just you know, give me, you know, what I what the what the IP is, and we'll be fine.
1: Right. So, speaking of IP and speaking of whatever they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of DC news this week. <laughs> okay. So, um, so it, the story has been going on for a couple weeks now, but it's one of those things where it's like, eh, is this big of enough of a story to talk about? Nah. Second week, eh, is this big enough of a story for us to talk about? Nah. Third week, is this big enough of a story that it's happened in three weeks in a row? We're talking about it, Right. Right. So we've talked before, the collection procedure for books typically is you get the hardcover first, usually the hardcover comes out two to three months after the story ends, whatever it's collecting, and then the trade paperback, the soft cover, graphic novel, whatever you want to call it, usually comes out about two to three weeks, sometimes later, or two to three months after that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, over the last couple of weeks, DC has been canceling paperback softcover, graphic novel versions of stuff that they already have out in hardcover. Hard mm-hmm. um, everything from the, the relaunch of hardware, uh, from the Icons title, the Wonder Woman Trial of the Amazon stuff, another Trial of the Amazons tie-in book um, called Nubia and the Amazons, and then just this week the trade paperbacks of the more recent Tom King Batman stuff, right, got canceled as well. Uh, the Batwoman, the Batman Catwoman one, and the Killing Time one, which was kind of like, um, was it a prequel to Batman Catwoman? It was taking place in like the same universe or whatever I, it was. I,
0: I think it was a prequel to Tom King's Batman Run proper and then batman catwoman was the sequel the the ending to that and this is the prequel to all of that that's kind of his world if you will
1: right so i can completely understand if them canceling a trade if their projected orders on the hardcover were lower they printed whatever they're like okay well and again i'm just pulling numbers out of thin air it's probably more than this it's like well let's say we printed off a hundred hardcovers and we only sold 70 and we had orders for like 40 of the trade if we cancel the trade maybe like half of those people will buy the other 30 hardcovers that are sitting out there right yep
0: yep and we won't have to send them to ollies in clear yeah
1: yeah and i get doing that with maybe like a c or a D or even a b grade title but when you start doing that with batman It makes me think, because Batman sells regardless. Mm -hmm. Could this be, and this is just me speculating, I got no information, I got no nothing, right? Right. Could this be the beginning of DC going hardcovers only? I'm going to go with no, and I'm
0: going to spin it in another direction. I think this is DC drawing out the hard covers to try and sell as many as they can like i said i'll aside because you know they they do end up on clearance at at ollies when they have stuff left over but i also think it's to deter trade waiters um too because maybe it will sell you more floppies even though i hate that term more floppies because they're like oh well we're gonna have to wait even longer for the soft cover Maybe we'll get that. We'll sell the hardcovers and then eventually we'll get, cause I don't think that you're never going to get a soft cover. I think they're just going to draw out uh, the time um, unless it's something that doesn't sell. Like I said, Batman it, is always going to get a soft cover cause they could sell more of them, but I don't know if that makes any sense. So
1: it does. So I could see mainline Batman and mainline detective, but let's call the Tom King stuff side continuity maybe different continuity Mm -hmm. maybe whatever that maybe that sort of stuff or that they're going to severely cut back i i still think this is the beginning of dc making a concerted effort to go hardcover only
0: i don't know i think that i think that would be cutting their own throat to tell you the truth but if you did i mean i guess if you only have hardcovers then that's what people start doing but I I don't know. I just, I can't see it,
1: especially when your competition has soft covers, you know, right for now. Marvel doesn't get the same press that DC does when it comes to stuff like this, because I think DC or Marvel doesn't cancel the number of collections that DC does, where it seems to be about two to three a week.
0: And Marvel doesn't have that pedigree of perfection in printing that DC does.
1: Yes. So, Maybe that's what it is. They see that maybe more errors are coming up on the trades, the, the soft covers, and not on the hard covers. Not to say that there's not errors on the hard covers and the omnibus and everything else like that. Yes. Um, so,
0: yeah. who knows? Yeah.
1: Uh, so, speaking of DC and speaking of changes, um, this is something that we lamented about last week. Um, we were kind of scratching our heads on. Um, so there's a Black Label book at DC, uh, written by Mark Waid, uh, automatic buy, <laughs> with art by uh, Brian Hitch, Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor, right? Right. And it's oversized, it's the whole thing, it's nice, it's fancy, it's everything. Um, so, um, Black Label stuff typically is on a bi-monthly schedule anyway... And then it starts to get moved a little bit later, a little bit later, a little bit later. And every site that Todd and I use to check what's shipping, get a look at what the variant covers are, so we know what we're looking to pull and looking for on the stands and stuff. hmm Every site had that uh, Superman Last Days of Lex Luthor 2 was coming out last week. Except for Lunar, the people that actually distribute the book. Right. So it turns out the book didn't come out, right? Even though every other site had it on their schedule. And, like, this is just from aggregator sites to actual online retailers had it as shipping for the last week, right? So what happened? So Brian Hitch actually came out and addressed the situation, right? Um, He says that. Uh, he and Mark Wade had been working on this book since 2021, and at the time, Mark was still an executive at Boom, and Brian was working on both Venom and the Ultimate Invasion book, which just wrapped up or is currently wrapping up over at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um. So then it comes time; first issue comes out late July. He's like, okay, I can get this done. I can get four pages done a day for a 48-page thing. Um, and then he just fell behind. And he kind of gets into it. I'm not going to read all of his discussions and everything else in regards to it. But to see this sort of transparency for, from a creator and like not say there was public like printing issues or the publisher did this or whatever, whatever, it's just like Yeah, you know, we started this book, like, three years ago, and we had other work to do, and, you know, Mark has monthly books that have, like, more of a deadline than this, so issue two is now pushed back to the end of December, and who knows when issue three will be coming out, but he said, like, hang in there, it's gonna get done, it's not gonna (laughs) be, like, a, a book that disappears but I think this is one of the positives in today's day and age with creators. Not all creators are like this, but when you see a creator be so forthcoming in regards to addressing delays like this, it's almost refreshing if you will.
0: Yeah. Like almost falling on the sword. You know what I mean? Um, I, I yeah, I, I'm down with it because it makes me instead of just like radio silence and when are we, <clears throat> when are we getting the second issue? All right. The, it's, you know, tentative, the end of December, uh, who knows, like, if they're radio sound with this, I, I'm not saying it's going to come out the end of December, but because he was honest with me, or as honest as I can, you know, I- or at least I believe he's being honest. I'm like, okay, well I believe that he's going to be coming out at the, the end of December and I don't have that that like, oh no way, it's not going to happen kind of a feeling. I'm just like, yeah, I'm more easygoing is the best way to put it. I don't get aggravated over this kind of stuff. So, good for him.
1: Absolutely. Um so another DC thing and I was trying to figure out the last time that we saw something like this happen, right? Um So, with Jimmy Pistol uh, coming on board for the next phase of whatever the DC Cinematic Universe is going to be, Mm -hmm. um, I think we've been told that everything that has come before Creature Commandos no longer counts. Right. Um, And again, I know Jimmy Pistol was doing his best to go out there and get in front of the Flash and Blue Beetle and really hype him up. Yeah, And let everyone know how excited he was for them. And then as soon as Blue Beetle was on streaming, he's like, yeah, all that stuff doesn't count now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could yeah. have said that
0: beforehand. Right, but that it might affect ticket sales, Joe. Yep,
1: yep. Um, but I guess with whatever's going on with Creature Commandos and DC Dark Legion and the Superman thing and whatever... You know, those people that sit there and, like, follow the trademark office... Yep. ...notice that DC decided to trademark the heck out of Plastic Man. And they did, you know, it for... And I and listen, I can sit here and read every single thing, but... It's literally put Plastic Man... Not Plastic Man and Superman. Not Plastic Man as part of something else... It's Plastic Man on literally everything, from computer games to, uh, to pagers to CD-ROM games. Everything It's just like it was just a check-all for Plastic Man, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nobody that loves a good weird oddball character than Jimmy Pistol.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, are we about to enter the golden age of Plastic Man? We could.
0: We could. You never know. Because that all might be true, you know, that that's happening. And I, I could go another route. We might have just hit that it's time to re-up that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, they they probably did it at some point. But it, it might have, like, oh, you have to do this every eight years. I'm not into copyright law. But uh I like to go to to the mindset that we are getting Plastic Man. Jimmy Pistol wants to beat uh Mr. Fantastic at his own game and we're going to get the you know the battle of the stretchy heroes between Marvel and DC. So Yeah. But I just hope they do the bit where uh Plastic Man uh turns into Big Barda's dress. So cuz I don't think that'll be a problem in this day and age.
1: Uh, I think they could do something cute like that uh Less creepy and more stealthy as a way to get him in there, you know?
0: Yep, yep. Um, And I will say most people misremember it as Wonder Woman, but it is definitely Big Barda. Mandela effect on the Wonder Woman thing.
1: What book was that in? Was that in... Um, Justice, Justice League. It? Yeah, that was it, in the Keith and uh, J.M. Justice no,
0: League. No, that was in uh, who we talked about already. That was Mark uh, Wade's. Role.
1: Oh, the Mark Wade stuff. Okay. Yep. Look at me, I don't remember nothing.
0: I remember it all, Joe.
1: Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now... The Rob Watch. Somebody else who remembers it all, Todd... is a favorite of this show here, and that's the Rob. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um... somebody put a nickel in the Rob this past weekend...
0: That's my favorite phrase that you use lately, but go ahead.
1: I'm an old man. Um, so the Rob, first of all, takes to Facebook in some deleted posts, right? <laughs> now, I could do an impersonation of the Rob, which would just be the Rob's impersonation. Very insulting impersonation of Todd McFarlane. And that's my impersonation of the Rob. Um, Riddled with sniffs. I was going to say, or really the best way that I could do an impersonation of the Rob is just to do this. Before I uh, begin. So uh, he he put up on Facebook in a now deleted post. When it comes to Wolverine, I draw one of the very best there is. Have been my entire career. I have drawn him to much fanfare, popularity, and acclaim. You are free to have your you are free to have a favorite other than mine, but disrespect mine at your own peril snicked.
0: Every other opinion is a disrespect.
1: Now people were making their fa- like people were putting out like their favorites. they're like, "Oh well, what about this one and what about the Barry Windsor Smith one? And what about the that one but and the rob was okay with that. Don't mention that you like Jim Lee's Wolverine more than you like the Rob's Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Jim Lee does not draw a better Wolverine than oh. me. At best, equal. You guys who bend the knee and everything Jim Lee does are blinded by your childhood nostalgia. Oh. <laughs> now, if that's all the Rob did this week, then that would be enough. Mm-hmm. But the Rob decided to record a special bonus episode of his podcast this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Apparently, somebody dropped off at the Rob's house a book entitled "The World: The World Versus Todd McFarlane." Okay. Oh,
0: this is gonna be good.
1: Which essentially gets into all of Todd's legal wranglings that he's had over his career. And this now, we're two, two parts into the three-part saga of the rob podcast. And again, I did do a Rob-Servation write-up on this. I was listening to one while I was out traveling, and the other one I listened to just uh, quickly before we recorded here today. But the Rob is primarily focusing on the lawsuit between Todd McFarlane and Neil Gaiman. Now, uh, Todd, Todd, not McFarlane, Um, would you be surprised to learn that the Rob is not a fan of Neil Gaiman? No. Feels that Neil Gaiman, uh, is less a comic book writer and more of a poet than anything else. Anything to kick the legs
0: out of somebody talented, man.
1: Feels as though Neil is a bit of an egomaniac. Whoa. Joe, Hello. (laughs) <laughs> Hello, kettle? It's the pot. You're black. But um, I will say this. Um, you know, the Rob was citing this book. And, and again, I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. Like I said, the name of the book is The World Versus Todd McFarlane. It's a book that came out in 2019. Um, the writer of the book is a gentleman by the name of Daniel Best. And I think he has a blog out there that you could find where he's kind of done a little bit more updated stuff. Uh, in regards to this, um, but I will say, um, where, hang on here. Um, I'm trying to look to see where his blog is, but I can't find it. Unfortunately, I do apologize. Um, so I will say the Rob reads as good as he writes. (laughs) <laughs> um I don't think he was very prepared to do the podcasts but it was one of those things where like I ne- he needed to rush out and get this done.
0: Right, he ne- he had a urge, he had the energy to get
1: to half this. Yeah. Happen, but I'll say this, it's a lot of stuff that either I don't remember or Um, maybe I didn't know in regards to everything that happened in between Todd McFarlane and Neil Gaiman, and it's all very interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, so I say go get the book, um, if you want kind of, like, a more straightforward, um, I I would say the writer does have a little bit of a bias against Todd McFarlane. Um, but if you want to hear the Rob's account of it, you know, listener beware is all I say.
0: That's right. There's, there's uh, Todd McFarlane's story, there's Neil Gaiman's story, and then there's the right story, whatever Rob said happened.
1: Right. And the Rob does an impersonation of Neil Gaiman, and Todd, will have you know, um, very insulting.
0: Wait a minute. That doesn't sound right.
1: <laughs> right. Um, and the Rob also stuck his toe into the current controversy that might be going on in regards to Jamal Igle and Dan DiDio. But With the way that Todd handled that, uh, coffee comic book shop in the Buffalo area story a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just leave that one alone. Okay. Uh, we all don't need to have opinions on everything. How about that? Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, But one thing that I do need to have opinions on is uh, there is comic book conventions this weekend, but not many. I think everyone's getting ready, gearing up, preparing for New York Comic Con. I know I am. Um, I know the Rob said, I forget, he's not going to be at the WhatNot booth, but he's going to be at some other booth Mm -hmm. at New York Comic Con. Um, And he did say that this year the only thing that's free is waves. Oh, boy. Uh, if you want the chisel, um, uh, the, like, you know, he does the fancy chisel autographs, mm-hmm. you have to pre-order them and he'll bring them to the show with him because he doesn't want people coming over to his table while he's trying to do the chisel signatures and spilling their quote, <laughs> wine and Cheetos all over my table.
0: Just beloved to the fans show.
1: As I said, he was on one this weekend. <laughs> uh, but one that he will not be on is the Bedrock City Comic Con in Houston, Texas this weekend. A uh, little small convention, mostly comic book folks. Kevin Nolan, Terry Moore, Aaron Lepresti. Uh Good to see some familiar names popping up that you don't really see out on the convention circuit all that often. Right. But the uh, links to this will be in the show notes along with all the information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named network.com. Anytime any of the shows in the network go live, you could find them at their own individual sites, their own individual social medias, and we've listed them all many a times during the course of this and After Dark this week. Um, But you could find them all in one stop, soon-to-be-named network.com. And that includes, of course, this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark. Final Wrestling Place, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Profane Arguments, Puzzle Warriors 3, Hiya Bussy, which has been threatening a new episode for the last two weeks now.
0: Right, Might escape any day
1: now. Uh, And anytime any of those folks go on any other shows and they let me know that they went on those shows, you'll find everything there so you can find out what all your favorite soon to be Aim network folks are up to.
0: Cool beans.
1: You can go check out some of our other friends in and around the internet as well. You can go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog at ProgressiveRuin.com. You can go check out our friend Kevin's blog. And i got to update this because I think he did a link redirect uh, with his currently current rebranding. It's currently Hellionsteam.com as opposed to mastlibrary.com. So I have to update my notes for this show and for After Dark. Uh, Rick Williams' The Chop Shop, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, uh, Indiegogo is still up and running. You can go get copies of Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, his self-published book, over at FortressOfComicNews.com. Uh, young Dave of the band Cave People and artist Rose Obia's self-published book Keeper is available at KeeperComic.BigCartel.com. And if you do not have a comic book store in your area, or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our store be your store. Comics on the Green, I have their Facebook linked up. That's where Dave and the crew do all of their social media posting. Kind of like how later does Instagram and Facebook mostly, and occasionally Twitter. That, that's the model that Dave and the crew does there.
0: Right. It's called X now,
1: Joe. No, I don't know what that is. Um, but you could sign up for the mail order subscription service, get your books mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly, and if you do, there's a chance that you're going to get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky, if she's not too busy combing the letters, pages of 50s romance comics, to find people that live in our local area. But you can check out all of her commissions, prints, progress, and so forth over at her social media, which is also linked up in the show notes as well. So, Todd, let's get into it. Let's talk about comics that we read from this last week.
0: Yep, and I'm going to start with the book I was... Looking forward to most question mark um, the Flash written by Cy Spurrier art by Mike Diadato Jr. This Flash is obviously the the Wally West Flash and the book starts out with uh, Max and Impulse running into the Speed Force to like go ahead into time as Max has done in the past and they end up bouncing off the Speed Force and they see trouble you know in it. Um, Cut to Wally, who's you know saving the the city from the gorilla gorillas, which are gorilla warfare gorillas from Gorilla City from Grodd. Um, And his powers are kind of on the blink a little bit; they're not working. Um, And we're not sure, you know, what uh, Grodd kind of wants. But there's also another speedster running around. uh, That's called I forget what you had it written down the. Uh, I'm sorry. I lost.
1: Oh, so I, le- I, I, so excuse me, in the indigo streak,
0: the indigo streak, um, is kind of zipping around. We're not sure what that is at this point in the book. Um, and basically the, the, the girls get away, but now we get into like Wally's life with his family and Iris, you know, raising the, the new baby that they had. And I'm going to tell you, boy, I, 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 I don't think I've ever seen get somebody get the West household so wrong as far as I'm concerned. Like, like Linda's miserable, Wally's oblivious, the one kid's crying in a basement of a school, and the, sis- the sister's the only one who's kind of somewhat normal. And I'm like, I don't know, I just can't grasp this. And then in the end, we kind of get that the that the thing that's coming is called the. The uncoiled is the villain and they might, you know, be part of the Speed Force. I felt like this was all written by Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four because it's so science laden. And then on top of that, that the West family is so unhappy. I was like, I I don't know. This this book might not be for me, but it looks absolutely gorgeous because I do love uh, Mike Diodato
1: Jr.'s uh, artwork. But I don't know on this one, Joe. So never before, or at least in a very long time, have I read a mainline solo superhero book that felt so busy and made me feel stupid for not being able to follow everything that was going on. Yep. Um, And listen, I will give the writer Cy Spurrier. He's a guy who has a lot of big ideas um, you know, I remember he had, like, this run on the on the book Legion that is, like, heralded, and they almost, like, turned that into a TV show for FX that I never saw. But there's just some writers I don't gel with. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember when he started taking over some of the Star Wars books after Jason Aaron, and it was just, like, a definitive shift. And I got no problem with, t- it's like, here's a different take on a character, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Todd, I've been reading Flash comics for maybe about 20 years. You've been reading Flash comics for a lot longer than that. Right. Did the Flash need this big of a change? I don't
0: think so. I just I just think he he's the carefree character whatever version you kind of use and i'm not carefree but you get what i'm saying it's not angst ridden and i just feel that it's there for no reason to tell you the
1: truth right but as todd mentioned this and it's a little it's an oversized book you know i think it's longer than the normal 20 to 22 pages than a normal comic would be right Mm -hmm. and they give you a lot in that first issue but it doesn't give a lot of stuff room to breathe and I haven't been reading the flashbook up until recently. I know you have because you have to keep the box up to date.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and the biggest thing, at least, that I have to lean to you is, is how much of a departure the rest of the, f- the family is from where they were literally the issue before this from the previous creative team. Right. The only thing that really grabbed me Was I feel as though there's going to be something big that happens in regards to Iris.
0: Yeah, because she's the only one without powers in the family now, so we'll see, you know, what happens there.
1: And and that was the of all the things that they laid bare in this issue. And there's a lot of it. The only one that I would want to follow up on is what happens to Iris.
0: I have this weird feeling just reading one issue and I have nothing to to, 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 other than the one issue is that the way she's feeling like we may get I don't know if we've had a lot of it ever. Cause I don't follow superhero marriages in the comics, like a divorce.
1: That's, that's what, that's the feel I'm getting from
0: it. Right. It's like, she's fed up already. Like when he lays down like some stuff and he kind of like, gla- like, like hand waves some stuff. It's she's like, you know, I'm, uh, this isn't as easy. It seems. And I'm like, and that's the thing. Miserable Linda. Like when we established that he, she's literally his, his beacon to come out of the speed force. I don't know I just i
1: i it's not it's not gelling for me on that. I could say I tried it and it just wasn't for me. Mhm, maybe it's for you um you know give it a try if you want something a little bit more heady out of your mainline solo superhero comic books mm-hmm. me I don't know, I like things a little bit more straightforward, a little bit more fun, a little bit more whatever right. I agree. Like the other book that we both read from this past <laughs> week, which would be Marvel Unleashed number two, written by Kyle Starks with art by uh, Jesus H- uh, Hervas. This is the continuation of the previous issue. We get the revelation that the AIM scientist was building something with Craven. Cra- or Craven had to get Lockjaw so that they could use Lockjaw to power a portal to bring Blackheart who is Mephisto's son in to earth and open up, uh, the portal to the 10th level of hell, not the ninth, the 10th level, uh, the other, um, and again, the pet Avengers is what they are, right? (laughs) Right. Um, obviously they realize that they are in over their head, not only as Craven here, but also Blackheart is like a Dr. Strange level threat. Um, And it's up to D-Dog to implore the Midnight Bark to get a message right. across the entirety of the Marvel Universe to get that extra bit of help that they need. But of course, Blackheart, ever the villain, is impatient. Maybe he used the machine before it was ready to go. And now... Our heroes are in a situation that I don't know how regular heroes would get out of, let alone the ramshackled pet avengers.
0: Yep. Um so, I'm with Go ahead, sorry.
1: I was say, it's a fun book. I like this sort of stuff.
0: Yep. I I, I was having a blast on this too. Um I like when Frog shows up, and I just like that there's that random aim scientist who's just like, is is that frog talking? And wait a minute—is that Ghost Dog talking to? I'm like, that's exactly the way I would be, and that cracked me up. Um, and I love, I love Throg in this, and everything that's going on. I, I'm all over it. And D Dog, man, you just gotta respect D Dog. So,
1: and, and again, we're talking about a AIM scientist who has probably seen some serious stuff. Yep, and the talking dog and everything else might be a bridge too far for him Mm -hmm. or at least something that gives him pause I'm a fan of Throg Um, the fact that it just exists that there is a frog sized frog, he's not a human sized frog, but he's a frog sized frog that lives in Central Park when they need him to who just happens to have all the powers, abilities, and speech patterns of Thor himself. He was bitten by a radioactive Mjolnir, Joe. Oh my
0: goodness. But no, I'm with it. And I do like, like the interaction again. I think we got less of it because in this issue, like the personalities of the pets, because they had to establish all that in the first issue. And we talked about how great of a job they did on that. But like the little things like when when a character comes through, like we're Chewy the Flerkin. Kind of saves Red Wings pride in this, like could, like could, like knock the legs out from under him. But he's like, ah, I'll let it go. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's just fun and like all that, like that the that we say that these pets have like distinct personalities and quirks and stuff like that. You gotta love it. And,
1: and as big as the situation is and gets by the end of the issue, D Dog is so focused on telling the AIM scientist, which he can't understand anyway that he needs to get home cuz his dog misses him. Yep. Like that's the part of all of this that's going on, which is a lot that D-dog can wrap her head around. Mm-hmm. Go home, your dog misses you and it's lonely, you know? Mhm. And it's a fu- I like this this is the kind of stuff that I like, you know. I th- this is a, you know we're we're Kyle Stark's fans, he's friend of us and he's been on the show before. You know, we're predisposed to like his stuff, and this is really good stuff, you know? Yep. Yeah. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home – uh, whether you got a trade that ends up getting canceled by DC and you got to get the hardcover anyway, hopefully it's still in stock. Be forewarned, be forearmed. Know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the others most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently the lead over Todd with one correct guess.
0: Yes. And I go first, because I started the show, and I'm looking at your list. Which, once again, you have a bigger list than me. That always shocks me. Mm -hmm. Um, Is the book you're looking forward to most the finale of Peacemaker Tries Hard? So it would be number six?
1: It is uh, Peacemaker Tries Hard, number six. And I think that's the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. By a smidge, but yes, it is that book. (laughs) Yeah, I was Um, was, going to say, I'm between that and Enfield Gang Massacre. Actually, that's one I like. But
0: the fact that uh, a certain salt uh, character created by a salty uh, creator is uh, going yes. to be in Fire and Ice, I'm like, I'm always a sucker for when that character shows up. So you had the trifecta there, but yeah, you, you you won out. So I could have yeah. lied and and tied it up, but I'm above that, Joe.
1: Right, you're an you're an honorable man, Todd, beyond reproach. And let's not go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, I'm interested to see what happens in Transformers number one. Um, I
0: kind of want to read Transformers number one. But I don't – see, here's the thing with, with Transformers book and it's with anything. Like Like when I was reading my Doctor Who comics or whatever, it's like it's going to start out with one Transformer book. <laughs> And then it's going to be, all right, we're going to have an Autobot book, and we're going to have a Decepticon book, and we're going to have a Starscream miniseries, which I'm okay with. And then we're going to have, like, all all these books, and they're going to milk it. And I get it. They want to make money. But if it stays with
1: one, I would stay on it, you know? When did making comics become a business, Todd?
0: I forget. I forget the exact moment, but it might have been when the Rob drew Wolverine.
1: (laughs) The best Wolverine of them all.
0: Yeah, that's right. I bend the knee at the Rob, Joe.
1: Oh, not the straw. No, oh, God. Now I will say this: so far, there's only one Transformers book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: By December, I think we're up to three GI Joe books. See, that's what I mean. Yep. And I'm I'm wary because I'm you know the the GI Joe. And the Transformers stuff is supposed to be the beginning of the Energon universe, right? Right. And the G.I. Joe stuff is being written by Larry Hama. And and then there's like a Duke miniseries, and there's a Cobra miniseries. And I'm like, what do I do with all this? And I feel as though I'm going to just stick with Transformers for now. Written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson, who I really loved his uh, dual powerbomb stuff. I like Transformers. We got a bunch of variant covers that involve Starscream who is the best of the Transformers. Mhm. So I'm going to stick with Transformers for now and then play the rest by ear. Fair enough. But I will say Transformers doesn't come out until Wednesday as you're listening to this and it's already the the first print is already sold out at a retailer level and they're already going to a second printing. Cool. and this is image who i remember we did the news story a couple years ago where they said they weren't going to be doing any more second printings on stuff unless they do wow
0: business again joe
1: <laughs> exactly uh so let's before we get into uh have issues todd did we have a todd's art attack this week
0: we did have a todd's art attack this week um from matt turner i believe um, he said, my daughter, Lily drew me a picture of Mercedes Mon Monet. I don't know. Monet. Uh, Monet. A- I know this name, AKA Sasha Banks. Mercedes gear is inspired by the late, great Hana Kimura. I plan on getting this signed at New York comic-con. Keep up the great work. And we get a, we get a picture of not only the artwork, but we get Lily with it. And then the reference that she obviously used to, to help her. And that's some really nice stuff. And I hope that you do, get it signed at New York Comic Con. Hopefully I'll run into you somewhere there too.
1: I've known Lily since she was a baby and uh, Matt had posted up a picture because it was her birthday the other day Mm -hmm. and it was a bunch of pictures of her, uh, you know, throughout the years which I sometimes do with Asa and I'm like, I remember her as a baby and even though uh, Matt puts up pictures of her as a high schooler, nearing college age person, um, so many people that I know that I've met when they were younger and they've grown up and they've started families of their own, in my mind's eye, I still see them as those little kids, you know? Um, But, uh, I think Lily does a great job uh, capturing the art. Um, Matt has posted a bunch of her art before. She definitely goes with a very anime inspired eye on the characters. Um, And, like I said, it'll be very interesting to, uh, you know, I, I, I want... Uh, Matt to go New York get this sign, get a Mark picture with Sasha Banks uh, I know she's Mercedes Monet but she's she was Sasha Banks for like 10 years so she got like 10 yep. more years before I called her the new name, you know
0: Yeah, did uh, Sasha Banks get hit by a bus?
1: No she it, No, Sasha Banks is okay she just has a new name now because she's not in the World Wrestling Entertainment
0: Oh, see I always equate people getting new names to getting hit by a bus, that's all
1: No, usually that's if they have to give up their old name because they left the company. Oh, yeah, well, again, Sasha Banks did get hit by a bus, then you're right.
0: Okay, technically.
1: Technically, she got hit by a bus. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, thank you very much uh, for sharing your art uh, that Lily drew with us. Matt, it's so difficult to call him Matt. Um, So now... Uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out past episodes of this show, past epi- show, episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and the current ongoing Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we are rereading all of Neil Gaiman, the Poets, Sandman. Uh, we're almost done with the 75 issues. What else are we going to have to read? Tune in to find out! Oh
0: boy, I know, I got a sneak peek of the list, Joe. might um, Might have written it, anyway. But uh, so we were doing uh, Sandman seventy three, still part of the Wake. Um, art by Michael Zulli, written by Neil Gaiman, of course. Um, and this is a Hob uh, Gadling story. So I know Joe's going to be all in on this one as we go. Uh, And it's Hob going on a Sunday morning with his uh, girlfriend, Gwen, who's a young uh, black woman, uh, going to the Renaissance Fair. She works there. Um, And just it's the whole issue is because I'm not going to hit on them all is uh, Hob just burying renaissance fairs and like what it celebrates the era like he just says in the beginning like he's like first of all nobody called it the renaissance uh because we didn't even know it was going on nobody knew it was going on until years after it ended so and he has that uh you know eyewitness you know perspective which is fun and all the little bits that he does. So he ends up going with her on a Sunday morning and he's, she's talking about like, you know, once we get in there, uh, you can't, I'm in character. So
1: we can't, you know, talk. it's right from the beginning. He mentions, um, he says the Renaissance is a bunch of Italians <laughs> claiming to be the golden age of the Greeks, you know? Yep. Very particular, very specific. As you mentioned, first hand accountings of what was going on.
0: Yep. So they uh, they end up going in. Um, and, you know, you obviously see that the thing is called the Wake and epi- Epilogue Sunday morning, which I think is cool because, you know, the way mourning is spelled and everything, it's, you know, mourning the death of poor Morpheus. Um, so uh, she ends up talking to him. Uh, And he's ended up talking about like uh, the slavery and uh, he basically goes into it uh, like all the all the ways. She's like, yeah, uh, that was more of an American thing. And he ends up describing all of the. the bits of it like going across the ocean because obviously he was the, uh, the the ship guy and he he ran slaves and he talked to Sandman about it all those issues ago. And he does the bit where he talks about, oh, if anybody came, all you had to do was make so many trips because it was so profitable. And if you got – you were afraid of getting boarded, you just pushed one slave over the edge and they were all chained together. And he could see it starting to get to him. And he even tells her like, you know, she's like, just calm down kind of a deal. And he's like, you can't even imagine what it was like, the smells, the the sounds. And she's like, why are you telling me? I can't imagine you weren't there either. He's like, good point. So, uh, it's interesting take on that. And she's like, I'm the first black uh, woman you've ever dated, haven't you? And it's, he's like kind of that obvious. Um, and she also tells him that there's a book binder here at the Renaissance fair. And uh, he noticed that you have this, the same name as a, as a legendary uh, uh, book binder. And you have a couple other names, like a ship guy and all that stuff, which is funny because it's all the stuff that he did in the, in the past. So she's like, all right, I'm going to go, do my bit. And he goes off and finds the book binder. And he's like, Oh, you're, you're, you're Robbie's like, and well, I have some books by that guy that we're talking about. And he's like, I paid a lot of money for them because they're, they're very, very old. And he's like, Oh, and there's one's dedicated to somebody and it could be Leslie or Lori. And he's like, Laurel. And he's like, yeah, that could be it kind of a deal. Um, and you could see kind of Hob getting like, you know, emotional. And he's like, but I just want to tell you, your books are all amazing. I think old hob would have really been proud of the work that you're doing. And then he kind of goes outside and kind of like cries. Cause obviously that book was important to him. We don't need to know everything about it. We just know he gave that to someone he cared about. And now they're, they're long gone. Um, so he runs into the jester and I, there's a bit where he talks about, uh, what is it? Uh, vegetable lambs, which is great, and I totally believe is one hundred hundred percent true. Somebody who hadn't seen a cotton plant thought that uh that they were that they were like lamb trees or something like that. Um, and you shave them, and they 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 bled sap. So that's it. And he's like, "Well, do you have any place I can get a drink around here?" And they're like, "Yeah, well, there's a we kind of have like the area where you could serve drinks." And he goes over. And he meets the the waitress and she's doing all the Renaissance fair stuff and he's like, No. He's like, here's a lot of money if you drop all that stuff. Just bring me my drink and you don't bother me with any of that. And whatever's left over, you can have at the end. She's like, by all
1: means. And uh yeah, like, he says he goes here, he goes, here's two fifty dollar bills, right? Yeah, yep. He's like, Don't do this, don't do this. You don't have to talk like this. Don't like if these people come, shush them away.
0: Hmm. and she's like warning him that like a minstrel band is going to roll in at 12 and he's like thanks for the warning um what's in there and they have like this old pub kind of looking building and they're like oh that's you know uh kind of closed up because they built it not long after we had to have it condemned and he goes in he's sitting there lighting a candle and oh, did,
1: could you go oh, i'm sorry did you mention and again i forget if it's here or if it's later in the book and i got to I'm paging through it here, so I do apologize. No, that's fine. Um, he gets up to go to the bathroom, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And he mentions that the bathrooms are horrible, so at least there's, like, a little bit of a touch of realism. Right. Um. Oh, and yes, did you... I don't think that you mentioned um, where he's talking to the jester guy who is the lamb puppet or whatever, and uh, he says that the biggest problem uh, with the Renaissance Fair is that there's no poop.
0: Right, he says that there was lots of poop between animal, people, it was everywhere. And I do like the line, you should spray them with the stuff
1: as they come through the gates. Right, he says, no lice, no nits, no rotting face cancer. He's like, when's the last time that you saw a bloody great tumor hanging off someone's face? (laughs) Right. Ah, the olden times. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So he sneaks in to get away from the minstrels in this old, like, uh, building, uh, you know, replica, and who's in there, but Death is is sitting in there, and they start talking, and uh, he's like, you know, uh, you're not from the festival, and he's like, I've seen you before, and she's like, many times. He's like, let me let me think. I, I, I never forget a face. I'll remember. He's like no, nah, I've and he ends up going into how he's like kind of remember uh, forgotten a lot of faces because he's been around so long. um, And he ends up, you know, talking with her about it and how it's that this if anybody from the Renaissance was here, it would kind of feel like uh, a Wild West show. To uh, to you know, to to somebody from the old west, it's just like it's it's all wrong. And she ends up like I like her perspective. She's always bubbly and things. She's like, um, she was there, but it's all fun. She's like, it's 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 to see people dressing and singing. They're all having a marvelous time. It it it's great. And he's like, well, you don't remember it that way. He doesn't know that. He's like, you weren't there. What do you care? She's like, I care. I was there, Hob. I remember. Like I remember it all. It's like. Who are you? And he's like I'm basically, you know, a friend of yours's uh, sister. It's like I've had a lot of friends. He's like the one you used to drink with every century? He's like oh, him. He's like okay. Um it's 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 coming back to me. You were in my dreams. It's like he was the king of dreams. He's like I put that together after a while. Um but he basically says I he's dead, isn't he? He's like yeah, she is and I kind of felt that I owed you uh I owed it to you or maybe to him to come talk to you. And she's like, so you want to know if I'm ready to die kind of a deal. And she's like, yeah. And in one of these, I like the two ways he explains it. He's like death. He's like, I used to think it was a big sudden thing, like a huge all that would swoop down out of the night and carry you off. It's like, but not anymore. I think it's a slow thing. Like a thief who comes to your house day after day, taking a little thing here and there, um, and one day you walk around your house and there's nothing there to keep you, nothing to make you want to stay. And then you lie down and shut up forever. Lots of little deaths until the last big one. And death is like, I've heard that before. And he's like, and, and another great shot with death of Michael Zulie doing the smirk. Cause she's like, I am not telling you, but I absolutely love, um, that shot. Uh, so he basically asks, you know, what all the different things. Some people believe this. Some people believe that. And She's like, if you do it, you'll find out on your own. Um, and he's like, what will happen? They'll just find you here slumped over your beer dead. And like in the end, he's like, no, he's like with your brother. He was like so much older and smarter, but he gave up and I'm still here. Kind of a deal. He's like, he wasn't the only kind of constant, constant, but I felt, you know, I like them. So in the end, he ends up saying, she's like, just take my hand and we can end it on. It's like, you know what? I'm not, not today. Maybe not ever. Um. Anyway, my girlfriend wouldn't, you know, would kill me if I did it. And she ends up leaving him. He wakes up in the pub and she comes in. She's like, oh, I found him. She's like, well, let's go. I have to go to my, you know, we're having a bank after party kind of a thing. And he's like, oh. You go, I'm just going to sit here and I'm kind of, kind of just going to relax and think she's like, Oh, you're going to fall asleep. Um, and she goes, no, no, I am just think she says that. This is what happened last time. And he ends up falling asleep and she comes back after the party and she's like, what happened? It's like, I fell asleep and she laughs at him. He's like, I had a dream. I had a, like, you know, a funny, good dream. And I dreamt of Morpheus we, we met and then this other bloke who reminded me of a street artist, you know, who's de- destruction um, because he met destruction at some point in his life. And he basically said we were going to go on a long journey. And he was something I had to ask him, but I kind of forgot because I realized he was dead. Um, and then we were going to go on a long journey um, and into the end of the story. And then you woke me up and she's like, oh, that's kind of sweet. Uh, what was it? He's like, what? The end of the story. He's like, well, there's only one way to add truly end the story. And she's like, don't tell me. Happily ever after. He's like, that's the one. She's like, ah. she's like, oh, Hob, I will never understand you if I live to be a thousand. And he says, well, stranger things have happened. And in that, there's a part of me, Joe, because we don't know. Um, every relationship he's had, you've seen it destroyed him because he lost her. There's a part of me that thinks Gwen's going to be the one who believes him at some point, and they are immortal together. But there's a part of me that thinks, oh, he's going to get crushed again, Joe. Uh, what do you think?
1: <sighs> Did we – we never – this is more or less the last Hobgalding story, Robert Galding story, right?
0: I believe so unless he makes an appearance in like like a, as a cameo. I don't think we ever get a full and in the future cuz most of our stuff is going to be like prequel stuff now.
1: Yeah. Um I like it being open-ended. I don't like it um answered. Answered. This is a question I don't want answered. I want Hob to live forever. and whatever that means is whatever that means. you right. know mm-hmm. um, you know you you'd mention it's like, oh, it's a Hob story, so it's gonna be right up Joe's alley, correct. um, arguably my favorite side character, uh, his always were his stories were always a bright spot, and him getting some sort of closure. um and, and that closure being you had this deal with my brother and my brother's gone. If you want to go, you can. And I'll let you go.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Very few times do mortals, and again, I say mortal for a person who's lived hundreds of years, maybe almost a thousand years. But very rarely does a mortal, a human, let's say, get the choice that gets the option. Usually when death shows up, it's because your time is up. Mm Mm-hmm. And this time she shows up And it's like you have the choice You want to go or you want to stay And he decides to stay And I think that's a great choice
0: Yep, yep. Especially since Morpheus is gone You know what I mean like he yep. gave up He's like I will Like if I can learn one thing from him It's not to give up And that's at least one parting lesson He could give
1: Absolutely uh, Great issue love this yep. issue
0: Me too um, on to Sandman74, same writer as always, and art by John J. Muth. Um, interesting thing about the art, as we come off four issues of Michael Zuli doing artwork with pencil and no inks, John J. Muth comes on the book and does a book with no pencils and all inks. This art is all ink. Not one pencil stroke whatsoever, which I find fascinating and I can kind of see it now that I look at it again. You know what I mean? Absolutely fascinating. And for the most part, the coloring, um, I'm not going to say all of it because most of the book is black and white. Um, from the ink and just the white page but any coloring that you see kind of like where the text is for exiles and like the the creators and all that stuff and some of the colored word balloons it's not because uh john J. Muth did the coloring it's all fabric swatches that he kind of put in the artwork to be those colors so that's not ink not paint it's fabric swatches which blows my
1: mind joe And listen, I give him credit for playing, uh, doing some different mediums here with the, uh, the art, you know, just not your standard thing, you know, uh, folks with the digital stuff and AI stuff in today's day and age. But to see a creator do something like this, Mm -hmm. I think is interesting.
0: I agree. So we're back in, uh, I'm not going to say we're crossing a desert. There's this uh, Chinese gentleman who's, you know, we find out that he's towards the end of his life. And he, like, he, all the things that have kind of happened to him. Um, he's seen many things. He was like a, a prefect in like one of the, the, the emperor's towns. And he went on to advise the emperor kind of a deal. And his son basically got caught up in a, in a, in a rebellion, the white Lotus rebellion, um, which I guess is a true thing because our history classes in America are terrible. Didn't know about it. Um, and he ends up beheading the, the, the the guy's son he says because your son did this i'm not going to kill you because you, you served me but you're i'm banishing you to like the edges of like the empire and he has to go live the rest of his life away from you know his family and his friends and everything like that and he ends up saying like all the great things he has and then he says one thing he's like but you know i've had so many good things but only the phoenix arises and and does not descend which is an interesting line which may come back again so he's off with this guy who's uh taking him across the desert and he has like bells on his on his uh uh his horse so you don't get lost kind of a deal and along the way they find this this group of cats and the guy tells him oh, like when we find cats we kill them because there's not enough food out here for the people never mind having cats So he ends up going out in the middle of the night and finding the cats again and finds the runt of the litter. And he's like, I'm going to take them along. And he's like, but there's barely enough water for us. And only a fool would bring, you know, a kitten here. And he ends up saying like what the life is with the kitten. You know, when I stop to go to the bathroom, the cat goes to the bathroom and, you know, he's, you know, soft and his soft hisses, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, they end up, you know, stopping for a moment, and uh, the he, he's ending up like sleeping. And when he does, he dreams of this cup of tea that he's dreamt about all his life in the porcelain cup, um, and it always slips away from him. Uh, but then, in a sandstorm, he gets separated from his guide, and he's kind of lost and can't figure. Th- it out. And then he ends up running in to a vision of his dead son. And uh when he talks to the son, he's like, yeah, I, I did whatever I did. And they cut off my head and they cut off my hands. And the way Mooth draws him in not a gory way with just the line across his neck and his hands, I think is a really cool. Like he could have added red and had the hands hanging off or whatever. But I don't know. That's to me um even creepier. Then what, you know, uh, then what being gory? Um, so he's ending up talking to his son. He's like, uh, the cat ends up running off cause it's scared and he hurries after it. And in a sad moment, um, the son says like, Hey, you're going to chase that cat. I'm your son. Like, why are you doing this? And he basically says, when you were alive, you were all my joy. Now you're dead. I see you only in my dreams. Um, and, uh, when I wake, I'm sad the kitten is living and it needs my help. So like, that's why I'm going to do this. And he chases it up to this tent and he goes in and it's Morpheus, uh, sitting in there, you know, just, you know, contemplating things. And he thinks he's a demon. Um, but he knows his name. He's like, okay. Uh, he's like, don't hurt me. He's like, I'm not going to hurt you. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm looking for my cat. And he's like, Oh, you mean walks the night alone. Here he is. And, uh, they end up having a chat and he ends up talking about, uh, his son and how he lost him. And he, you know, he kind of, kind of does prayers for him. And he says, but, uh, do you think I could ask you for something? He's like, maybe like, I've thought of this wine that I've had in my dreams. He's like, not a big thing of wine. Cause that would make me loopy and, you know, just enough to warm me. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know what? A while ago, somebody gave me Water in the Desert, which was Marco Polo in the first Soft Places issue. And he's like, so I'm going to do that for you. And he's like, oh, it was as good as it was, as I always thought in my dream. Um, And he ends up, you know, talking about your dead. He says, you talk about your dead son. He ends up laying uh, talking about somebody who lost their son and didn't mourn for him. So we're basically establishing that Morpheus is right after he's killed Orpheus from uh, brief lives. And he basically says, well, I, I, why did the guy mourn him? He said, Morpheus says the guy didn't mourn him because he, he didn't know him before he was gone. And you know, he didn't mourn him before. So why should he mourn him afterwards? The guys like, that's just uh, stupid. Um, and but, you know, it's to, you have to mourn, you know, or else you become a slave to your grief. And it's kind of cool that like Morpheus is like, indeed, he goes, but I could see you're leaving now. And he's like, what? And he ends up like doing dream stuff off into the desert and he hears some stuff and he follows it. He ends up doing some dream thing with like a crab, uh, a crane machine and getting a, uh, a bridge and he ends up finding another tent. But this time it's it's Daniel and Daniel greets him by name and he's like, I know you, or at least I knew met your brother who looks exactly like he's like no, that was me, a, a, a long time ago, because um, obviously that was you know two different times. Oh, how
1: long he's been walking? Yes.
0: Yes. So uh, while they're chatting, the ghosts from the first soft place show up, and they start talking to him, and he says. Uh, that they've been writing for a long time. He's like, "Yep, that's why I'm here." Um, it's time for you to go. He's like, "Well, what'll happen to us?" They ask like the questions that they did, um, and he says something in a foreign language, and he says perhaps, and he kind of releases them, um, and he basically says to the guy, "I have no liking for prisons." Obviously, Daniel, who's an essence of Morpheus, wouldn't. He goes, and it's a good thing. He basically, in very poetic way, says it's a good thing to to release people, and um, and especially from cages. And the bit I like, he's like, sometimes I suspect we build our traps ourselves, that we back into them, pretending amazement all the while, which is exactly what Morpheus did. And he's like, and he ends up saying that uh, tools could be the subtlest of traps, and he knows he has to smash. The emerald someday, but it can wait because he learned from the the ruby with Doxter Destiny. And he asks him where he's going, and he goes, "I'm going, you know, with everything. I'm going to live out my days in Exiles." He's like, Do "You know what? You can come and stay with me if you want. You can stay as long as you want. You can act as my co- uh, counselor." To he's like, Nope. I've obeyed my emperor all this time. I'm not going to kind of go against him now. Um, I know I'll never probably come home, but that's what I'm going to do. And he's like, Under- I understand. Um, but if you do tell the kitten and, you know, he, I'll, I'll bring you. He says, what was the last thing that the writer said before they vanished? I didn't understand. It. And he says, uh, he said, he repeats it in the language. And then he goes, everything changes, but nothing is truly lost. Farewell. And that's when the, he th- wakes up because the cat bit him in the real world. And he's like, okay, the cat saved me. I saved him. we're kind of equal and responsible for each other. Um, uh, and, but in the end, he kind of realizes uh, he's saying, like, oh, uh, I'm going to live my life. And only the phoenix arises and does not descend. But he takes uh, some wisdom and everything changes and nothing is truly lost and we got a story where actually Morpheus and Daniel were in the same one which i think was the whole point of the first soft places you know so we could establish that that's what could happen
1: right um and again you know there's a lot of that sort of quotes in here the one that i have here is you know that which is dreamed can never be lost can never be undreamed
0: Right, so we'll never lose Morpheus, you know what I mean?
1: He can't be wiped away. Right, whether it be to show that in, as you mentioned, the soft places, that Morpheus and Daniel can exist in the same place. Daniel is Morpheus still, but with his memories and experiences, and Daniel is Morpheus, who did finally change, as we discussed last week. Mm -hmm. where lucian is talking saying that sometimes even when you try to change you could only change so much before you have to die yep and that's uh, essentially the coda here and this again not my favorite issue not my favorite solo issue but i understand why this issue exists
0: And um, I don't remember where we talked about the Mandela effect today, but this book has, I completely misremembered this book, Uh, this issue anyway. I thought at one point Daniel and Morpheus meet. I don't know why I remembered that way, because I I vaguely remember, I remembered it as Morpheus. It's more of Morpheus coming home after being trapped by Burgess. And it's like before he gets back to the dreaming in the soft place from that issue, he runs into Daniel and they have a conversation and he realizes Daniel's like, I don't remember this conversation. So obviously you're so weak. That's why I don't remember it, but it was good to see you, but you're not going to remember this Morpheus and he goes off and that none of that happened in this issue. And that I was waiting for it the whole time. It's all master lay or Lee doing whatever. And I'm like, why do I remember all the stuff with Master Lee being Daniel and Morpheus? So it was almost like reading it anew for the first time, but I'm with you still. Not one of my favorite issues, but uh, the art thing I like just I think is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, yep. uh, glad I read it, you know, again.
1: So next week, issue 75, the last mainline regular series book. If you remember back around the 20s or so, in the award-winning Midsummer Nights, whatever, that Morpheus told William Shakespeare that he would ask him to write two stories for him, this is the other one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going in with that sort of mindset that you and I, the Shakespeare stuff doesn't speak to us the same way that it might speak to others. But it's the last issue of the mainline book, but we still got, what, another two and a half months of stuff to read?
0: What could we be reading,
1: Joe? Don't worry, folks. We got a lot. And it's all the Neil stuff. This is not his final foray into the world of the Endless and the Dreaming and Morpheus and Daniel and everything else. Um,
0: Heck, yeah. the long box hero's effect made him do another story this year.
1: Yes. Which uh, Todd still doesn't have. Apparently he's not that big of a fan that he would go and buy the...
0: Uh, one, only 25 uh, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive, 25 made, the white version.
1: I got the uh, eBay alert set up for it. I haven't got seen any go up online yet. I have not seen it.
0: I, want, I actually kind of want to know what one would go for.
1: You know what I mean? It's almost as though 25 people that bought them were actual collectors and fans and wanted to keep them.
0: Makes me feel like Neil got all 25 and handed them out to the creators, which would be great when I would be fine with, if I couldn't have one.
1: Yeah, that would be cool too. Yep. Uh, so we have that. Um, what else do we have to finish up before we get into the second last, uh, episode of Ahsoka pigskin Pickums. pigskin Pickums were tied. Are we tied? I thought you were ahead of me by one. So you're the one that says this all the time. And I was corrected uh, by your Porch Talk co-host, right? Okay. We both have the number 12 next to our name.
0: Okay, okay. See, I thought you had a different number next to your name.
1: No, no. Uh, so we both, were we both 12 or did something happen? No, my apologies. So I'm 12th and you're 16th. Right. That's what it is. It's the other right. person that we're both 12th. My apologies.
0: Right. We don't have the same amount of right picks,
1: is what I'm saying. Correct. So even though I'm quote unquote 12th, I'm actually 9, 10, 11th. And even though you're 16th, yeah. you're right. technically 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 21.
0: See, because apparently this is, you know, causing a lot of grief. From now on, all I'm going to do is are we equal? Am I ahead of you or right. you, are you ahead of me? No more what place we're in. Because I'm if, ahead of you. That's all we need to know. All right. And, uh, Joe, do you want to know how uh, it's going in fantasy football?
1: Eh, it doesn't affect me, so I'm okay. I assume you're in first place.
0: All right. We'll let it go with that.
1: All right. Uh, so, of course, you can help us out by uh, making a purchase of a shirt through our store, a shirt, a pin, or a sticker. Uh, just shoot me a message. We'll work out a deal. Uh, you can go over to the T Public store, of course. There's no sale going on currently. But, you know, keep your eyes peeled there. You can get stuff from this show, um, d- you know, designs inspired by this show, soon to be named Network, add-ons with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, uh, all sorts of things and everything from notebooks to cell phone covers. Uh, you could help us out by making a purchase uh, on eBay through our affiliate link. Uh, This page contains affiliate links for eBay. We may receive a small commission on purchases you make. You can use this affiliate link at any time you want to buy anything on eBay and support the show at the same time. Yes. Uh, But most importantly, of course, to support us is go through our Patreon. Patreon.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you're going to get two bonus shows every month from Todd and myself. Uh, One is previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog. I was actually pitching this to uh real people uh at the bowling alley this past week, right?
0: Right, that old TV show, Real People with Sarah Purcell?
1: No, um, okay. like people live and in living color, like actual real people about the show. Um, I'm looking forward to going through looking at October already got a preview of it the full catalog is already up the free preview is up as well for non patrons and also of course we have the movie show uh, comic book oddities where we're looking at pre Marvel Cinematic Universe maybe lesser known stuff maybe much maligned stuff October's movie that we're gonna be watching is Howard the Duck yes Can we redeem Howard the Duck as we've done other movies in the past? We shall see. Mm -hmm. Can't wait. Uh, And as I mentioned before, the full scans of the catalogs that we talk about, the previous catalogs, are up, even if you don't get a chance to listen to the podcast. They're not day and date. They're not time sensitive, unless they are, but they're not. Um, Go back, figure out, look at the covers. When did I start reading comic books? When did you start reading comic books? What's the first thing that you remember? I'm sure that If you're an old-ish like us, you know, late 30s, early 40s, into the 50s, you probably had one of these preview catalogs or you read something, just as a walk down memory lane to look at those past catalogs. And that's available for everyone at every Patreon level. $5 up, folks, and higher, get the two bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. And they get uh, After Dark two days before everyone else, so you can listen to uh, the show in the correct listening order. Yep. Those Um... people... We'll find out that while we're recording this show, uh, I got the shipping notification for something that I was wondering if I would get the shipping notification for.
0: I sent a message to the person while we were, uh, you know, between shows, so they took care of it for you. You did, or a friend of yours did? I sent them the message to do it, and they handled
1: it. Oh, Okay, I gotcha, yep. I gotcha. Yep. I had
0: their ear, is what I'm saying.
1: And hey, you could uh, you could get access to our Discord as well at a- any Patreon level. Yeah. You know, these And
0: guys. I w- I will say this as you were talking about when did we start reading comics? Not that it has anything to do with the Patreon. Today a uh, guy I know who I talked to on the at the shop, he came in to get his uh hardcovers. He buys a lot of hardcovers and he got a Marvel Masterwork this week. Uh, cuz he collects about all of them and he got the Captain America uh masterwork and he's like oh todd i know you like to look at the like look and we talk about what was in them and he flipped it over and it was the one that had captain america fighting the ameridroid which was my first comic ever and i'm like let me see that man go sit down for a while (laughs) i'm gonna flip through this so today i was actually reminded of my first comic book ever so it was a fun time that's cool yep i love that kind of stuff
1: I wish I like if I think if I saw it I would remember. I think my first comic ever might have been an issue of like Spidey Super Stories, right? That had the I know for sure it had the Green Goblin on the cover.
0: Um, I'll say this because I think we've been over it. I think it's Captain America two sixty three, two sixty two, two sixty three, or two sixty four because it was a it was a uh, storyline. Um, and I, the only reason I, yeah, was a Captain America 262. The only way reason I still remember it is because that comic was in the bottom of a footlocker that I had my whole life. Like even when I started collecting comics, it didn't go in a bag. And then I found it years ago and took it to Baltimore and got it signed by the writer and the artist, which was Jam demattis was the writer and Mike Zek was the artist. So I have that beat to heck copy framed it on my wall. Oh, that's cool. Yep, the actual issue.
1: I absolutely do not have the issue of Spidey Super Stories. Uh, right. From my childhood.
0: So you never know where it's all going to start, you know?
1: That's right. Uh, so, enough about that. Let's get into uh, Ahsoka. hmm. So, uh, this is the second to last episode of Ahsoka. The season finale aired as we're recording. And I do want to mention, again, we do a cursory brush-through of this. We don't do a full everything review of this. But I do want to give a shout-out. Uh, part of the Buzzcast Network under the Uncle to Uncle umbrella. Um, Franklin, Harpo, and Bert have resurrected Watto's Vato's. Okay, I to,
0: saw that in the notes and couldn't wait to see what it was going to be. To do
1: full in-depth uh, r- like, uh, recaps of every I- episode of Ahsoka. And these are three guys that they watched and consumed all of Rebels, all of Clone Wars, so this show is made for them. And they look at it with a very different critical eye than we do. They very much enjoy the show, but having all of that knowledge from the previous stuff, they could point out like, uh, the stuff that we who had never seen clone wars or rebels have no idea about.
0: Yep. They would have chastised you on all your mistakes,
1: but, uh, check out their show. I'll put a link, uh, to it here in the show notes. If you want a little bit more in depth discussion of, uh, Ahsoka. Hmm. uh but like i said so this again i like this episode uh it was good we get a cameo from c3po
0: which was spoiled for me literally five minutes before i watched the episode
1: oh and that's it wasn't spoiled for me i'm one of the lucky ones
0: yep yeah, um uh but it was it was kind of cool to see so i have a feeling because they kind of give anthony daniels like the 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 flowers in this, and then on social media, that's how I ended up finding. Because he ended up putting out a post like, "It's an honor to be part of this," and I feel like it's his. Uh, he's basically a tip of his golden dome from his helmet um, to say like, "Oh yeah, I sold my voice." You know what I mean? Like, mm. <laughs> this is my last appearance, kind of a deal. <laughs> from now on, I'm with uh, James Earl Jones and all the rest. You know, I don't <laughs> know why. That's just that's just my take
1: on it. This was his swan song, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then from here on out, it'll be the Star Wars synthesizer. you know.
1: Yeah. So, uh, again, we get um, what's-her-face. And, again, I feel so bad. I'm so terrible at this, you know. Right. I know Ahsoka,
0: Ren, Ezra, and that's about it.
1: Uh, Hera. Hera, yes. Hera's Great getting, Hera. right, she's getting dressed down by the defense count, or she's getting dressed down by Ma, Ma, uh, the Republic Ma. folks, specifically that Senator Santazone. Uh, right, who's
0: not evil in any way, shape, or
1: form. But go ahead. so, And again, even though he's being harsh to her, I still think um, she, uh, he is a red herring, mm-hmm. as that he's not the evil one that it's going to be like, the Neb neum character who has the weird <laughs> facial hair. Yep, yeah, his cousin. Yep, right. So that's when Cthulhu comes in. He's got the message from Princess Leia from the Defense Council that says, "Oh, sh- Princess Leia approved Hera to go and do this. I guess you guys just didn't get the message, right? That's right. Princess Leia backdated all the permits, <laughs> right." um so then uh, we we like oh you know like c-3PO thanks you saved me uh there was the bit where uh that center zone is like oh we're gonna take this sort of discussion from just a mere droid and chopper was ready to fight man He had those one inch
0: uh, guns ready to go that's right you know who would have been, said it more eloquently was Hyung. He would have been all he would've been like a lawyer about it and it would have been awesome. And he would no. have started with uh a galaxy far far away too.
1: Mm. He is the storyteller of this world, right?
0: That's right. He's the he's the the architect if you will.
1: Mm. Uh so uh Thrawn figures out that Ahsoka is going to be uh coming in with the space whales. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And he essentially is like, if any space wheels show up, kill on sight, right?
0: Yeah, put some mines up.
1: Right, so they put up a minefield, and that's a really cool scene. Uh, Felt very reminiscent of, like, what's it from Empire, where they come out of hyperspace into the into the uh, asteroid belt you know yep well they even kind of do that because they end up having to like go
0: away they're like oh we're good as long as you know the whales taking the mines and then they all hyperspace away so they go down into the uh like the the the, what is it the rings on the planet and that's when the it's kind of like the asteroid field and i don't know sometimes i really like that because it's nostalgic and then i'm like but I guess how many things can you do in space, you know what I mean? Like yeah. to 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 fly through, you know? I don't know if uh, you get my meaning. Sometimes I, I'm like, oh, it's over, you know, overdone, but I liked it.
1: I do. So while they're hiding out, uh we go to Sabine and Ezra and uh, again, because Sabine has been on the planet with the, the rock aliens. We kind of didn't get into last week, but the rock aliens, right? I
0: call them the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle ripoffs, but yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but this is where Sabine gets to catch uh, Ezra up on the events of what happened in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And while she's doing so, uh, uh, Ahsoka decides to use the Force to try to reach out to communicate, to make some sort of connection, to do something... With Sabine, it doesn't quite work out the way that she would hope. But by her doing so, it allows the evil witches to get a pinpoint on both Ahsoka and Sabine's location. Mm-hmm. So now they send the folks they send folks out to try to get both of uh, both Ahsoka and Sabine. Um, obviously the aliens, uh, the rock aliens, the teenage mutant ninja Turtles ripoffs, as Todd calls them. And Ezra are all pacifists. Um, but Ezra doesn't use a weapon, but he could use, like, the force push to in the fight, right?
0: Yeah, which I thought was one of the cooler things. Because I don't know if he's a pacifist or if he's just like, you use the lightsaber, Ezra, because I gave it to you and I've been training without it but either way the ability to use the force to block a lightsaber was one of the cooler visuals in a jedi thing
1: that i've seen in a long long time right um so we get um shin and uh what's his face uh skull standing like kind of off in the distance watching waiting for the reinforcements to show up to take on sabine and ezra right Mm mm-hmm And it's at this point where Balin says to Shin, it's like, no, you go off, you know, you take care of this for Thrawn, I I was almost going to say Tarkin, but for Thrawn, you know, what I want now is different.
0: My, My destiny points a different way.
1: Yeah, my destiny has changed, but let me part you with this. And he says, impatience for victory will always guarantee defeat right words to live by something that we don't get cashed in on this episode but we do get a big battle with a bunch of thrones ramshackled folks showing up right um and you know so how, we, oh go ahead
0: you know how we talk about the nitpicks people have like one of them was ezra looks too much like ezra apparently
1: apparently
0: um, apparently that's their pick like oh it looks like the cartoon um, the big one that I saw this week was the, the formation of the stormtroopers that they huddled together. So they're easy to pick. Like, like people were talking about the, 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 the tactical strategy of star Wars. And I was like, people like, you do know that if we had any tactical stra- strategy in any of the star Wars movie, the first trilogy would have been over in a hot second. So like, let's all relax. You know, that's my, my nitpick this week.
1: Right, but we get our three main characters together. Thrawn sees that uh, Balin has kind of left things. And Thrawn is like, Okay, we lost, but these are acceptable losses. I would say this is considered a victory. Mm -hmm. Because while they were busy doing this, they were distracted from what we're doing here. And then we'll be able to leave. Yeah. And we've loaded everything. Right. We have everything that we need now. While they're stuck on that planet with no way of getting to us. We have everything that we need to get out and we could strand them here and be done. Yeah. What
0: do you think he's taking away?
1: (sighs) I feel as though it's clone stuff.
0: Uh, Well, maybe for like Palpatine. Yeah. I feel it that I don't know because I didn't watch the Rebels and the Clone Wars. Do you remember in the books he had those things that counteracted the Force? Yeah. Like they were the Yalsamare or whatever. I'm wondering if he's bringing some of those back and he doesn't want the Jedi to know about, like, we have a thing that could stop you. Um, But there's something because otherwise he wouldn't be worried about what he was loading up cuz they have the big ring to warp uh to hyperspace there. They don't need all these supplies. It's something to win, you know what i mean? So i just can't i can't wait to find out what it is. Mhm. But I, I i've been liking
1: the show. It's really good. Um yeah. you know, listening to uh the boys over on Watos Vatos and you know, they're not the only ones. They're not telling me directly, but other people have said like Go back and watch Rebels. Go back and watch Clone Wars. You'll really enjoy it.
0: I've heard that a lot and I heard that from my cousin who like is literally a year younger than me um and we, you know, grew up on Star Wars together. He his uh, his mom was the aunt that would steal toys out of the the warehouse at J, uh, J. C Penney's for us as kids. <laughs> <laughs> other people would order them. I've told this story. He'd be like, oh, do you remember the cantina with the cardboard background? That was like the exclusive or whatever. And people would order them. She'd be like, there's one for my kid, one for your kid. Like my mother would give one for you. And he's like, and then when they come in, oh, they never showed up. I'm sorry. Um, but he's he always, he's like, Todd, you would love Rebels and Clone Wars. And I just never got around it because I felt like it's too daunting now with, say, five seasons of each. It's like, I have so much other stuff to do. <laughs>
1: That is true. We do have a lot of stuff to do. Yep, but maybe someday. Just not today. hmm But that's it for this show, speaking of not today. Right. That's everything, I believe. I think we've done enough.
0: Too much, some might say.
1: Some might say, but not me. I say we have to come back next week and do even more. So thank you, everyone, for listening. This was episode 678 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week.
0: Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of podcast networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five, five stars.